0: This is a podcast from The Times. Go to thetimes.co.uk.
1: Welcome to the game. I'm Santa Claus here with a 40-minute gift of football. Ho, ho, ho. My elves this week are Patty Barkley, Peter Lansley, and the unlikeliest elf you'll find, it's Mr. Pedro Pinto, who's also, of course, making his debut on the game podcast. We'll be discussing a variety of Christmas crackers and turkeys, but let's start at Santa's Grotto, otherwise known as Stamford Bridge. Right, Chelsea and Fulham. Um, I want to start with what, in different circumstances, might have been the most noteworthy part of all. Um, This man with bleach blonde hair, tall, athletic looking, starting up front, a guy called Fernando Torres. Uh, Paddy, were you expecting this?
2: Uh, Well, sooner or later, yes. It had to happen with all the games coming along. He had to to start. Um, It... It's been, a, it's been very unfortunate for Torres. He was just coming into form uh, earlier in the season, just before he got his suspension. He's now back to square one. Um, he can't be oblivious to everything that's being said about him, but he genuinely was playing well before. Um, but we're still not seeing it yet. Um, but I kind of feel that we will before the end of the season. Well, I suppose we kind of have to. I mean, Didier Drogba is going
1: is going away. I I, I don't think that the, I'm not sure Villa's boss knows who Solomon Kalu is, and uh, and of course Romelo Lukaku. You know, I think Pedro, you have a bigger chance
3: of of starting <laughs> for Chelsea right now than he does. If it's on size, he still beats me out on having a bigger <laughs> chance. But uh, if you would come and and watch Fernando Torres for the first time, you'd have no clue that this is a guy who's score the game-winning goal in the Euro 2008 final. I mean, he is just bad. There's no other way around it. He's not fast anymore. He's not sharp anymore. He's not confident anymore. I feel sorry for him, uh, Peter. Uh, when I guess, guess this is the flip side. Is
1: I mean, you, you sign somebody for uh, for huge amounts of money. You you give him a huge contract. It's kind of like for being married right I mean you're kind of in it for, for better and for worse and on a divorce would be extremely expensive for Chelsea's, which is why I think we can probably write off all those stories about them you know selling them for a cut price 15-20 million whatever it is right.
0: I know where do you go with him because if it was a player who'd come up through the ranks or someone you'd you know, you'd nurtured and you then had a, a loss of confidence. You can think, okay, well, back in the back in the world of football in you know a, a past generation, send him out on loan, get his confidence up. But you can't send Fernando Torres out on loan to uh, Barnsley or something, can you? And, and Paddy says we will see him come good. We have to. And you kind of think well he 's got the class he 's got the heritage he 's got the face, my goodness, from the club, but I, I just don 't see how it 's going to come good for him. They seem to have changed systems for him over the last couple of year, over the last year, and yet nothing 's worked for him isn 't it?
1: Now I, I want to take a look at Fulham and, and, and I think we need to switch our attention to how villa 's boss reacted to Fulham. Um, I was at this game and I'm looking at the players on the pitch. You know, you could have go in and when you, when you don't have the benefit of the um, of the team sheet and I'm like, gee, who is this guy up front? And I said it couldn't be couldn't be him, could it? Because I see this sort of. You know, sort of 5'11 ish um, guy who looks like a miniature Grant Holt, you know, with like the big legs and the big head and the short, you know, arms. And he looks like a, 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 you know, he looks like sort of one of those, you know, old English style target men who you've sort of put through the dryer and he shrunk. Um, And it's Orlando Saw. Uh, who might not be familiar to most, but Orlando, this is only his second start in the league for for Fulham. And um, Orlando Saw was at Porto last year with Villas Boas, actually, where he didn't play very much. Uh, there's this guy named Fry on on the wing. I'm like, who's this guy? And he's you know uh, a teenage yeah. uh, Swiss guy who is making his first start for Fulham. Um, I look up and down the lineup in this midfield, the closest thing they have to holding midfielder in the sense that he sat in front of the back four was Danny Murphy. Now, uh, Danny Murphy reads the game well and everything is skillful passer. But, you know, he's not exactly uh, Lee Catterball when it when it comes to tackling. And so I thought this was, uh, uh, it was a remarkable lineup that Martin Yule put out there. He had a lot of injuries, a lot of absentees. Um, now, it's awkward because it's an unorthodox lineup, although not that different from the way you all have played before. But wasn't it when you expect Villas Boas to take countermeasures, I mean, he is supposed to be the tactician. Mm-hmm. It's one thing when, I think, when your players let you down or when you've got old players or bad yeah. players or whatever, yeah. but tactics is supposed to be his forte.
3: Look, villas Boas has no plan B, all right? That, that, that's the problem right now. He's got one way of playing... He believes in the 4-3-3. He lives and dies by it. And one of the reasons why Torres hasn't had more chances to play recently is because he plays with one man up front. And Torres is someone who can't play on the wing, and he shouldn't play on the wing. Mm-hmm. One of the reasons why Anelka got upset, and one of the reasons why he's leaving. I think there needs to be another way of playing at Chelsea. He can't just have this one system, because teams will know how right. to defend against him. But even him. within the system, you can
1: tweak it. I mean, if, if I'm playing against a center forward who clearly can't run, and he's up there on his own, then and then maybe that's one where, where I, I play with a, a higher line or as Vilas Boss might say the high block. No, I mean they, they, there are adjustments. I mean you can you can go out there and say all right, we're better than Fulham we'll just muller them in the first half. But when that clearly is not happening, mm. isn't this when you when you make an adjustment?
3: I also think that, that there isn't still a creative player in midfield at Chelsea. Uh, Juan Mata, many people might not have seen him that often at, at Valencia, but he was a forward. He was not someone who was setting up goals. He played with Soldado but up front, but they, they worked in tandem together. At Chelsea, he's mostly on the wing. I don't think he's fast enough to be a great winger. That's just my, my opinion. He's yeah, not going to be someone who's, who's going to create goals out of nothing. Very good player, yeah. but not a playmaker. They I, still don't I, have I one. Think,
2: I think the goal they scored yesterday um, uh, points to the to the future for Chelsea. I I, I, agree. I completely agree with Pedro. I, I think that Mata is a forward. Uh, I don't think he's a wide forward in our game, and I think that to have him playing behind Torres is the is the is the, is the ideal way forward. A, a sort of four four one one or something like that. Um, and I think that... Uh, so
1: wait, that leaves no room for Daniel Sturridge in your lineup. No, 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 no not necessarily. Well, you, are you going to play Stur- Daniel Sturridge in midfield?
2: Yes. Um, I, <laughs> You'll love that. Well, I mean, you know, that that's, that's tough. You know, I mean, you could uh, you, you could play Daniel Sturridge as a centre forward or you could play him on the right where he is effective. Well, if you uh, play
1: Daniel Sturridge as centre forward, then you don't
2: play... Then then you're not which which might then actually be his plan B when Drago yeah, was away. Yeah. I mean I mean I'm just I'm I'm I mean I'm just uh, trying to uh, respond to what, what you're saying. I mean there there is uh, I, I completely uh, agree that this this four three three thing is uh, I think it 's a very flawed uh, system uh, I, I genuinely i, I, I don 't really like it that much and uh, I, I, I do wish that villas uh, boris would 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 try something try something a bit different.
0: How about this one then How about if you played four two three one and you had matter storage then you could afford to I know he seems to be on the way out but you could have Meluda on the wide uh, on of those three yes. behind Torres behind Drogba yeah, and Frank then,
2: Lampard's going to love that That's well Frank Lampard's nearly finished I think I think we're talking about the future and I think Lanza's got it absolutely right 4-2-3-1 I think is the best system that's come into football since 2-3-5 I really like this system and I think Lanza's got it absolutely right I think Mata could certainly play in that so could Sturridge um, and uh, well obviously it'd be, you, you wouldn't have room for Kalu. but any system that had room for Kalu would be flawed intrinsically
1: Kalu, thanks <laughs> you again I, I, I want to give some credit here uh, to, to Martin Yule, though because as I said it might have been from, from by necessity but when you look at the, the at the two midfields, that his line his was basically four one four one. His line of four was this you know on the wings you had Kareem Fry who whatever is this is, is, he's, he's, uh, he's he's winger quick. type very lightning quick. quick yeah. On the other wing he had Brian Reeves who's taken him a while to get going but whatever Fab, fabulous but, feet. But inside yeah great feet but inside how about technique? You had Dembele Musa uh, who. You can't get the ball off the guy. Yeah. And and Dempsey. Yeah. And behind them, you have Murphy, who can pass as well. I mean, I, I just want to say, by, by, by this idea of the... Do you need the destroyer in midfield if you're full? I know it might have been by necessity in other games. He might have had a two in there and whatever. But I I was very impressed with it. Is this yeah. something that... that could we see a football like this again could somebody try to replicate this
3: you need a destroyer if you're a team that attacks if you're a team that defends you don't necessarily need someone who's just going to tackle because you do it as a group yeah. you defend as a group and yes. you occupy space so if you don't have a hard tackler like Fulham didn't in that game then you can afford that because you've got everyone crowding the ball around and yeah. no one's going to get in trouble on their own trying to mark someone else
2: I'm only guessing I, but the Fulham's previous game which they lost 5-0 was against Manchester United they played with, with uh, Central midfielders were Carrick and Giggs and they were the two best players on the field by a long long way and there, there are other ways uh, uh, of, of, of holding the midfield if you hold the ball you don't need a holding midfield player and I think that uh, that may have I don't know who knows it may have given Joel foot for thought having said that I personally think that yes you can try it now and again but by and large you need uh, a, a defensive midfield player or two um to um, to have a, a functional football team but you don't always need to, as, as as Fulham and Manchester United have proved. Uh, Lansley, um, just, just to wrap this up, I, and I think we, we've all learned
1: that, you know, when it comes to transfers, we don't really believe anything managers say around this time of year, um, and they lie, and you can't blame them. Um, or we all assume they lie, anyway. But uh, Village Boss has come out, and he said, well, we're two players short because uh, Alex and... Um, Nicholas and Elka um, are, are gone, or will be going, and uh, uh, then we're gonna be two players short because uh, we're gonna lose uh, uh, Kalu and uh, Drogba. In Kalou's case, I wonder if he knows who he is, but that's a whole other issue. Um, uh, but we're only planning on making one signing, and that's gonna be uh, a central defender. Um, I wanna get from you, A, do you believe him? Should they make more signings? Should they try to move more people out? And B Does it make sense To sign A central defender Instead of uh, Instead of a right back Because I I'm not really A Basingwa guy and, and, and Paulo Ferreira Obviously Even though he came on With his very fetching mask mm. At the end of the Fulham game um, he, He's obviously You know Not got that much In the tank
0: Um well, do, the, do they lie? Um, I think things change, uh, you know, from day to day. So managers might, it might not always be a lie when Harry Redknapp tells us, no one's coming in, no one's coming in. Of course he's not lying. <laughs> <coughs> Um, but also they've got to be diplomatic about things. They don't know how much is coming, you know. Um,
1: but there's a difference between saying, like, well, we'll see who we sign yeah, and saying, no. we'll sign a central defender, but nobody else. I mean, would they, hey, if, if I'm a good central defender, right, unless I go and, and I sign a, a youngster, um, I look at Chelsea and, like, figure, okay, you give me a lot of money to come here, but I've got... You know, John Terry, the England captain, uh, ahead of me. Um, I've got David Luiz at the club, who's young and who the club has invested a lot of money on. Um, you know, if Basinga plays well, Brana is going to be your a central defender. Mm-hmm. What kind of a good central defender would want to come to Chelsea, knowing
2: that his chances of starting are going to be very, very limited? Honestly, I mean, I I don't know. I I, I wonder if uh, if he's got plans to move David Luiz into a a position where he can do less damage. You know, um, I mean, he's he's a, he's a magnificent technician. I mean, there, there's no two ways about that. But uh, the Gary Neville. Uh, thing holds good, you know. He's just not playing on a.
3: I think that's that's tough. What he said is just a bit silly. I don't want to get into it. Villers-Boys shouldn't have got it, got into it with with Neville. Yeah. But the the guy the guy is not disciplined. Yeah, fine. But you're talking he, about Gary Neville's not disciplined. No, as a no. <laughs> I'm <laughs> saying no, yeah, Louise no. is not disciplined as a defender. But yeah. it's not a ten year old. Maybe a sixteen year old. Yeah,
2: <laughs> yes. I, absolutely. That's fair enough. The, the voice of reason.
1: All right. Well, we we talk about sort of positions and, and what the best position is, and then you come across Manchester United, who I I, I run out of superlatives with Sir Alex Ferguson in terms of his ability to, to 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 move things around. I I don't know whether I mean for those who don't know, he finished uh, the game uh, against Wigan at the weekend with. A back four of where he had a winger, uh, Valencia, at right back. He had a not particularly quick central midfielder, Michael Carrick, in central defense. He had a a tiny left back alongside him in central defense, Patrice Evra. And he had somebody named Ezekiel Friars who uh, I believe is a a teenage defender. um, I was a teenage defender at left back. Um, In midfield he had a guy who was 38, I might add. Uh, Now, on the one hand, I want to Praise, United's incredible spirit, and the fact that you can move them around and play them out of position, and mm. it still works. Mm. Flip side also is, this happened two years ago as well, that he had this massive injury crisis and he had to play Carrick at the back and whatever. Mm. And remember the game where Giggs played left but played at full back? Mm. The flip side of this too is, should should he maybe be taking a little bit look at his preparation and the way his players physically train and stuff? Because it's not normal to have so many injuries and to be you know desperately running for cover is is that would that be I I know if we were in Italy right now Mm. they would be taking whoever United's fitness coach is and they would be hammering him Um, we're not in Italy we're in a much healthier country in in that sense but we don't even know who United's fitness coach is Mm.
2: You haven't even you mentioned well. You haven't even mentioned the purchases of Michael Owen and Owen Hargreaves. Uh, they actually go out and buy players with poor fitness records. So I, w- I would I would say that the scout has to be hauled in along with the uh, chief medical officer if you're going to go down that route. But uh, no, I, I, I think it's it's just. I mean, I, I actually I I hate, I hate to sound like um PR man for Manchester United, but I would I would rather look at that as a magnificent uh, management. That's what I mean, there's two ways to look at yeah. it, right? I mean, I think, I think uh, I've seen Valencia play right back twice in the last two games. And I'll tell you, he looks like he's played right back all his life. You know, you, you, you normally get a, a forward defending and he's, he's fine going forward. But when they're trying to turn him and twist him, he's, he, he panics and he doesn't know when to stand off and, and jump in. Valencia never makes a mistake. He's fantastic. Um, Carrick is... I mean, at the moment, Carrick's come back to form, and if he carries on with that form, he's going to have an Indian summer to his career to remember. Watching Scott Parker play in the Euros. <laughs> well, <no. laughs> at, at, at the, mo- the way, if he continues to play as he's playing now, he will be in the squad without any question uh, at all, especially if he continues to show that he can stand in uh, at central defence. So I think... Um, You know, I think that there are positives there as well. Um, And I think Manchester United, the, the way they're coming into form is absolutely ominous. Absolutely. If I were Manchester City with all my money, with all my squad, I'd be my bum would be squeaking.
0: (laughs) I've got a a bit of a theory on that as well, Paddy, on these players playing out of position. It it, it so much depends on the opposition, doesn't it? Yes. So if you've got Wigan at home, who are, you know, a busted gut to get very good single points over Christmas, and they're coming to Old Trafford, Mm. then Carrick your anchor midfielder playing at centre half yes. he will play in the same position against weaker opponents Yes, Valencia at right back is actually playing right midfield but
1: especially when uh, sorry if I jump in there but especially when Wigan don't have a when the one striker gets, gets it, sent off yeah, ridiculously and, I, and I did think
2: I did think that they stood off uh, I think they were over cautious they defended far too deep even with 10 men I thought uh, Wigan's performance was supine um, you know you are allowed to head the ball away you are allowed to intervene, uh, and I thought that their performance was 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 far too passive, uh, even in the circumstances. Uh, three things and then I'll, I'll let you come back
3: in, Peter, because I know you didn't finish your thought. That's but okay. uh, Valencia, I think he's better at right back than as a winger, just because I don't think he's good enough to be a winger to beat people. He's got speed, he can cross, but okay, basic, but that's it. Second thing is, it, it astounds me how Manchester United continue to be this good with the central midfield they have. Mm-hmm who I consider to be really average technical players. Who uh, is the centre midfield? Exactly. Well, <laughs> it keeps changing. It keeps changing because of all the injuries you were talking about. But whatever best midfield you have there, the the, the centre two, there's no one that really would get into the best teams in Europe. No one. Yeah. And the third thing is, I still think United are going to come out on top. Uh, I predicted it in the beginning of the season. I've been insulted in my blogs on CNN when I say it. I don't think uh, Manchester City have the experience and they have the know-how of how to come out on top.
2: Peter, back to there, there is, sorry, Pete. Je- <laughs> no, go on, go I, I, I promise you I will no, shut okay. up now. It but I was just going to say, if we're talking about Manchester United's Central for midfield, you just watch the improvement when Tom Cleverley comes back. Mm-hmm. I agree. Mm. He is the guy who they should invest yeah, he's in. He's a terrific
3: player. Technically, he's above average. Yep. Definitely, definitely. Sorry, Pete.
0: No, that's right. It, it, it evolves, doesn't it? But also, I mean, what Everett's been saying about team spirit, and it's, it's, it sounds like a cliche, but it doesn't stop it being true. And that is that this United group has evolved together. And they pull for each other and everything. And you can't just buy 20 superstars and expect them to have that same level of of unity that United are displaying at the moment. Yeah, you
1: know what, on that point, and, sorry, uh, it's, and, and this is my homage to Christopher Hitchens here, um, the late Christopher Hitchens. I'm going to be a bit contrarian here. On the team spirit point, obviously, uh, I, I always take it as read that they seem to have this great team spirit. I disagree with you a tiny bit, though, on this idea that they've all come through together, blah blah blah, because in reality, there's been a lot of upheaval on this team. I mean, you know, when when you look at it, obviously Welbeck wasn't there a year ago. Cleverley's new, um, the the, the Ashley new, uh, Ashley Young is new, Jones is new, Smalling's been there less than a year, so it's not as if like they've all been through battle together it's almost like this creepy thing that Fergie does where these guys come and they, they put on the red shirts and it's almost like it's not the individuals it's those, those freaking shirts yeah. it's like Wallace and Gromit yes. remember when you had those sort of robotic trousers that no, yeah. nobody, nobody yeah. you know Wallace and Gromit right? is, 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 is that what it is? Well,
0: Fergie, I mean, he is the best manager, isn't he? He's proven that enough, and so that involves pulling people together and making people feel comfortable, and you know, sitting next to the right guy in the changing room, all that sort of thing comes into it. But Tom Cleverley and Welbeck and people—they've been at the club for years, haven't they? Coming through, they'd have been allowed to come up and train with Ryan Giggs and Paul Scholes and people. So, I, I think that is part of an evolution. Yes. But yeah, I'll go. I'll go with the Wallace and Gromit trousers, and, and Fergie well, is a master at that.
1: Well, listen, he's got the Wallace and Gromit trousers. I don't know what else he has, what kind of hacks he's got with Dimitar Berbatov because mm-hmm. I, I, I've only spoken to Berbatov twice in my life because I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't know the guy but, you know, the, the knock on him is that he's, he's, he's slightly sulky and then he walks around the pitch and he's skillful but, but then it's Ber- Fergie doesn't seem to like him. I think he was making what his second start of the season. How do you take a guy who's one of United's highest paid players, who is a superstar, mm. and this dude just never plays? And I know they say, well, he's been injured, blah, blah. But you know, he knows he's not first choice. He knows he can see. I think he started a game since September, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, 24th, right? yeah. And then the guy comes back and scores that, that, that late goal the- against Fulham in garbage time, whatever, and starts against Wigan. Boom, I'll just score a hat trick and be happy and contribute. How, how does he get, A, does he get Berbatov not to throw a strop? And B, how does he ensure mm. that the guy can come in and, and, and play and be motivated? Mm. And then some people say, oh, but you know, it's his, he wants a new contract. It can't be his new contract. I'm sure it's not his dream to live in Manchester and never mm. play.
2: Mm. I think I, I wish Arsenal had signed him in the, uh, uh, in the last window. Because I, I honestly think I want to watch that guy every. Day of the week but you, you wrote I a mean, book about Sir Alex. how does he
1: h- how does he manage to push berbatov 's buttons well, I think he can pull them I, out I of think he did
2: allude to it um, they really do play for a higher cause. they play for the manager he who is uh, uh, whether you think he 's an evil genius or a father figure he 's able to make people want to run through the proverbial brick wall for him um, and i can 't think of another manager who could Bring a guy in like that, and he'd be frothing at the mouth, determined to to play as he has. It, it's it's it is sensational management. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna introduce our debate here. I'm gonna do things a
1: little bit differently. I'm gonna um, mention two quotes um, from two great managers. And, uh, and and a third quote from Jorge Valdano, who's not really great as a manager, but he he's a very he came up with a very popular idea. So genius will always make the difference on the pitch over teamwork. And that's from one Jose Mourinho. Um, Brian Clough says, "Players lose you games, not tactics." There's so much crap talked about tactics by people who barely know how to win at dominoes. Um, and two so, so I think both both these people are saying is that it's down to individuals it's not there's not necessarily um, systems uh, I know certain people would would strongly differ with that um, But I want to introduce something else also, which is um, Jorge Valdano had this whole quote about sort of the football of the left versus the football of the right. And in his view, um, the football of the right was authoritarian and organized and disciplined and dare I say it, German, or at least living up to a stereotype. The football of the left is this wonderfully creative um, notion. Um, Now, I think we all have our own concept of what left and right mean. Um, My view, actually, Football of the left is about cooperation and teamwork and putting the team first and working together. Football of the right is about individual flair and creativity and entrepreneurship on the pitch so uh, i 've had this discussion with Valdano actually where we disagreed, and he kind of <laughs> took the point but it's um, just one of those quotes I think that sounds good, but yeah. um, Paddy day, especially when it comes to Clough uh, yes. who, I mean I think obviously you, you and Lasay would probably have a, a better handle on, on, on Clough than, oh, yes. uh, than Peter and I would. I've only seen his teams on TV. I, I've, I've read most recently Jonathan Wilson's, yes. I'm reading Jonathan Wilson's excellent uh, yes. biography on Clough. He seems to say that it's down to the players, not his system. Yes, But I looked at that Forrest's side, and in terms of game-changing, obviously some very good players, Viv Anderson and Trevor Francis and, 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 and the winger uh, Robertson. But... I don't think this was a side with superstar game changers, except possibly Shelton and Cole. he uh, uh, bought one with yeah. Trevor Francis. But that, that. but but I, I'm, with all due respect to Trevor Francis,
2: he's Trevor Francis. Mm. Uh, I thought actually it was Clough's system that made that side. Well, a perfect example is when he played Trevor Francis. He played him a, 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 who'd been a, a central striker uh, and had become the Britain's most expensive player. He immediately switched him to outside right uh, and won the European oh. Champions League. Um, well, it was called something else then, but won the Champions League against Malmo. So, uh, B- Clough and Taylor, I think the first thing, and, and Lanzas would probably agree with me on this, the first thing to understand about Brian Clough is that Brian Clough with Peter Taylor was one thing, and Brian Clough alone was a completely different thing. Uh, Brian Clough alone was a Valdano, if you like, mm-hmm. a player who believed, uh, a manager who believed in pure football, whereas Clough and Taylor together were very much uh, fitting the best possible players into a system uh, that was, uh, you know, rig- to call it rigid and disciplined, um, would convey the wrong impression because sometimes they entertained, but my word, they could be uh, terrifyingly defensive and tight. Well, without using systems, uh, need to be defensive. You can have very attacking
1: systems. You too, can but indeed. It, it seemed to me though that this was you know the the the, the, the way Anderson overlapped, the way Martin O'Neill uh, uh, slid inside, yeah. and whatever. Yeah, I mean. This was a very, this was a tactical side, uh, in my opinion, mm. from what I saw. And again, I saw it from a yeah, distance years later. At a time, especially when English football wasn't particularly evolved
2: tactically. Yes, and I think that's fair. Lanzas. would you go along with that?
1: Yeah, I would, yeah.
0: I, I, it, was, it was subtle, wasn't it? It was tough. I mean, I, I was only sort of mid-teens or something when I was watching it, but I've, I've heard a lot more about it, from, you know, through Martin O'Neill's yarns over the years. But, um, I I think Clough was, um, you know, he was playing down what he was actually doing brilliantly, and and it would be such subtle things, like you know, as you say, Paddy, Trevor Francis emerging at the back post to head in a European Cup winner when he'd been told to go out and play on the right wing, which, by the way, was partly to keep Francis's you know ego and sense of team in in. Um, in thrall, yes. and so, and and then he didn't he go and play Gary Gary Mills as a seventeen-year-old in a five-man midfield in the next European yes. Cup final, yes, and and he made that decision apparently about three hours before kickoff, mm-hmm. and yet that was tactical genius for the mm. match in hand.
2: Mm. Yeah, well, that, 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 that's absolutely true. I mean, I, but you know, the, I mean, Clough. When Clough talked about so much crap being talked about tactics, he wasn't talking about himself or Peter Taylor. (laughs) (laughs) He was talking about... (laughs) Well, I I mean, turning it back, I mean, so if we can...
1: From what you guys are saying, I think we can probably agree that Clough was actually... That this quote from Clough is actually maybe slightly deceptive. He's not talking about himself, and and Mm. he really was a, a, a fine tactician who, I would argue, excelled without Superstar. We can debate. I, th- I think Clough and Schilder Taylor
2: him. were a better tactician right. than Ferguson right. has ever been.
1: Okay. There's no need to have another go at Ferguson. I know you want to even things out after all the why praise you heaped on him before. Why not?
2: Why, why <laughs> else do you think I love this podcast? <laughs>
1: but, um, Pedro, uh, the Mourinho one, the Mourinho quote about genius making the difference in the pitch over teamwork. Now, uh, if I was a cynic, um, I could say... Yeah, you well, are? Which I Well, of course Mourinho would be that because he's been in a situation where he's always had the best players bought for him. So, and he's had this the strength to put those best players on the pitch and win games. And, you know, tactically Mourinho, and I, I'm in the minority in this country where many view him as some kind of tactical genius, you know, he's solid, but he's not the second coming. Um, is that fair?
3: Well, I I honestly believe that it's not true that he's always had players bought for his success because that didn't happen at Porto when they won the UEFA Cup and, and the Champions League back to back. Relative to the world of Portuguese football, though, it did. Well, they still won in Europe, so Portuguese football there is really irrelevant. Gab. Um, what I would say about Mourinho and, and, and this particular quote, and he said it in different ways before, is that he believes everything being equal, so both teams being equally well prepared, it will be a moment of genius that will decide the game. I'm and sorry that, I jump in there though. Yeah.
1: A key thing, all things being equal, things being prepared. So he probably also believes that he prepares his teams better, better than everyone else. else, yes so things yes. are never really
3: quite equal with him, but just look his I mean, teams always have the advantage, but this actually <laughs> come, comes to, to, comes back to bite him because what has happened against Barcelona I mean he 's prepared his team as well as he can prepare it to face this uh, monster that is Barcelona, yeah. and even if they're better prepared like they were in the in the in the super cup Spanish Super Cup in the beginning of the season, it was still moments of genius from Messi which decided the game, so uh, Look, I I think we need to to be balanced here and and think that these managers knew that they were good. I I don't think average managers would say things like this. Superb managers say things like this because they prepare their teams better than anyone else. And then... All variables being equal, it's that one moment of a genius player that can give you the win Abso- or
2: defeat. Absolutely. If you look at the, 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 you know, two of the best teams I've ever seen, which is the current Barcelona, and uh, Saki's Milan, you know, they they uh, were the, the most uh, intensely organized, most hardworking, and disciplined teams, both of them, uh, that, uh, that that I've ever seen. And that's they wouldn't be the two greatest teams without that um, and yet what do we remember we remember Van Basten's uh, Hullet. Uh, yeah. Hullet we remember uh, even um, um, um what's his name Savicevic's lob from yeah. the thing we remember the moments of genius which changed the games and of course with Barcelona we remember the Messi so the answer is Gab uh, to produce great football, you need both. Getting it back to the system versus the players, and beyond the,
1: um, beyond the, the obvious argument that, uh, obviously, uh, it's better to have good players than bad players, um, I'd just like to get from, from each of you um, a, a reaction to what I'm about to say, which mm-hmm. is, if it's players, does the manager matter that much? Um, in other words, if, if Steve Bruce... In fact, I'll make it very simple. If Steve Bruce managed Real Madrid right now, would he have a shot at winning the Champions League? Would he finish second in La Liga or even first?
3: No. Uh, I, look... <laughs> The managers, for me, actually, I think managers are underrated. This is my personal opinion, because they have to create the conditions for players to excel. They have to be organized, they have to instill the correct mentality, and they have to make the players comfortable to express themselves on the pitch. I really believe that a manager sometimes, if he tries to do too much, if he does too little, he's going to hinder the players. I personally think that just like a, many times a manager in our jobs can motivate a team to to do something well or do something poorly. In in, in that way, I would never, never say that a manager is overrated. Paddy, Steve yep. Bruce at Real Madrid? <laughs> how would he get on? <laughs> I, well,
1: I'm not I, big I, against Steve Bruce, but I'm fine, No, you know. no, no. I purposely chose Steve if Bruce saying, and not an if, awful manager. If you're manager. saying a
2: sort of middle-range English Premier League manager, yeah. is he as good as Jose Mourinho? Not is no. he as
1: good. Is How much worse no. would he be at Real Madrid? Would Real Madrid still finish second? Would they still challenge for the Champions uh, League?
2: I, I think they would finish second, yes, because uh, unfortunately the way the Spanish League is at the moment, it's quite difficult for Real Madrid not to finish. Would they the still make two. a strong challenge for the Champions League? Uh, no. No. I don't think they would Jose Mourinho is an outstanding manager probably one of the best that that has ever been in my lifetime and uh, I think his only misfortune at the moment if it could be described as such is to be up against arguably the best club team I've I've seen in my lifetime as well in Barcelona, so it, it the, you know there's, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. And to, and to compare um, to try to compare any uh, manager in England, um, w- Ferguson included, with uh, with Jose Mourinho is is bound to be unkind. So. Um, it it it's it's I, I think in in his case he's probably more important than any player cristiano uh, included at uh, at Real madrid okay. i I
1: so strongly disagree on that point, but um I think that's an argument for another time Lanzi you get the final word on this um you yeah. saw Steve Bruce up close at Birmingham city so you can and yeah. and, and know how popular he is there uh, for the classy way uh, in, in which uh, in which his arrival and departure from the club were handled but um <laughs> No, it's how would he do with Real Madrid in in, in Mourinho Mourinho's shoes?
0: Okay, well, if he was taking over now and you wanted them to sustain until the end of the season, what they're capable of doing, I think you would be fine. But I think if it's you the old in,
1: Avram Grant argument,
0: yeah, exactly, exactly. But if you want yes. to build on it and and, um, and improve time beyond, then no, I think the manager is really really important, and the little nuggets of wisdom that someone like Martin O'Neill might come out with at just the right moment to just make sorry, sorry, make-
1: sorry, 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 sorry. I, I know uh, your feelings about Martin O'Neill. But I ask you about Bruce and Mourinho. Yeah. How do you come up with Martin O'Neill?
0: Well, because I'm, I'm now I'm now going into the general conclusion. Since you would kind enough to give me the last word. <laughs> yes,
1: sorry. No,
0: and just say that what the manager says at the right point to the right player to motivate him in the within the team shape is absolutely crucial.
1: Yeah. All right, enough of that. Time now for some quick hits. Arsenal were supposed to move to the top four by beating Wolves, but Wayne Hennessy spoiled it all by saving everything in sight and helping 10-man wanderers hang on for a point at the Emirates. Uh, does Wenger need more firepower? And if so, what, what is the profile
2: of the player he ought to be signing? Uh, a Maruan Chamac that works. Um, in other words and I thought Chamak was going to be the answer at centre forward allowing Van Persie to play as more as a number 10 which he he should do a goal scoring number 10 so I would say a centre forward I'd go for Dimitar Berbatov as I would have done I kept urging him to sign last uh, window failing that Bobby Zamora Bobby Z, how about that? Battling Blackburn Rovers grab
1: a point at Anfield with, as Steve Keane helpfully reminded us not once but three times, five players aged 22 or younger, and not just a Hanley, but a Henley as well. Lansley, is this God rewarding Keno for all the crap he's been through, or is it Liverpool's fault for creating dozens of chances but never finishing them off?
0: No, this is um, God preparing Kino to um, uh, build Blackburn into a very competent championship side. Um, it, it's, it's merely down to the fact that Liverpool missed so many chances and only put away 8.2% of their, uh, goal, uh, their goal attempts.
1: There you go. Lanza giving you the science. Tottenham win at Norwich, 2-0, to consolidate third place. Plus, they have a game in hand. Pedro, I trust you weren't one of the
3: wise men who predicted a top three finish for Harry this year? I wasn't. I thought it'd be Man U, Man City... Chelsea and Liverpool in my top four Um, but Gareth Bale continues to improve and Emmanuel Adebayor is just making such a big difference up front holding up the ball in that system allowing Bale, Modric and Van der Vaart to excel so I'm not surprised now
1: percentage chance Spurs finish top three? 70 wow wow Manchester City are held to a scoreless draw by West Bromwich Albion. Paddy, you can point out flaws in Roberto Mancini's approach, or you can praise a tactical nous of one Roy Hodgson. Or, if you can be succinct, or if you can be succinct
2: enough, you can do both. The choice is yours. Thank you very much. I'll go for Roy Hodgson. I think he's made a terrific difference at West Bromwich. Um, it's interesting that, the ch- that that is that chucking him out of Liverpool has improved both Liverpool and West Bromwich in equal. <laughs> Um, uh, no, terrific manager, and uh, w- West Brom was superbly organized on at the weekend.
1: Isn't it funny? How about stereotypes, right? You know, West Brom get rid of the uh, Italian manager for being way too attacking and disorganized, and uh, they find organization and defensive now in the English guy. Good. Were it not for a horrid decision from Howard Webb, Martin O'Neill would have made it three wins in four since taking over at the Stadium of Light. Lansley, I know you don't like to criticize referees, but I also know you've got a certain simpatico going for Mr. O'Neill. What was your take? Also, shouldn't we be be having a go or actually crucifying Leon Osman for appealing the the penalty and uh, uh, luring Webb into making a wrong decision?
0: It quite obviously wasn't a penalty, that's for sure, because um, Lee Catamore was just running behind. He couldn't get near enough Osman to uh, bring him down fully. But do you know what? I think there was the nearest touch there, accidental touch, in which Osman lost his touch. You know that thing at school where you just kick one heel and it goes against the other? I think that accidentally happened, and that's why Osman fell. So don't have a go, Osman, but it wasn't a penalty either.
1: Wait, so, sorry was The touch was from who? Osman touching himself? Oh, yeah, I don't mean it that way <laughs> no, I, 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 if, if Catamol touched him It's a penalty
0: No, Catamol's running behind him, right?
1: So who was the touch from?
0: And then, Osman running ahead of Catamol um, His back left heel Flicks very slightly against Catamol And that forces Osman's left foot To go into the back of his right calf And bring himself down
1: so Katermoor, in the act of shooting on goal, sorry, Osman, in the act of co- shooting on goal, yeah. with his backlift, touches Katermoor, yeah. and, then and then kicks the ball you know, into and the ground, and then gets angry and Webb gives the penalty. yeah wow uh, that one's new to me you, but you
0: know at school you know at school when you just tap someone's one ankle as they're walking yeah and it makes it go against the other ankle and down they go but i don't think catamole intended do you
2: know lads, i reckon <laughs> if you were here gab would give you a tap on the ankle for saying that no
1: i i this is this is the best. i guarantee you, you have not heard this explanation anywhere else and that's what makes the game <laughs> podcast so great that's brilliant <laughs> Demba Ba now has scored 21 goals in 29 appearances for Newcastle and West Ham in 2011. That's Premier League appearances, the ones that matter. Uh, Pedro, I know nobody's going to give credit to poor old Avon Grant for signing him, but how is it possible that a guy comes out of virtually nowhere, uh, no disrespect to Hoffenheim, and is a second leading scorer in the supposedly toughest league in the world?
3: The fact that people would think he came from nowhere means that they don't pay attention to what's going on in I mean, Europe. Because bad, this guy, no, people. this guy was really good with Veda Dibizovic when they actually challenged for the title a few years ago in Germany. They finished seventh. His goal scoring record is superb in the Premier League. He's a fantastic forward leading the line. Look out for uh, Moussa So from Lille to be someone very similar
2: if he comes over here. Gab, now one for you. Carlo Ancelotti is rumoured to be the next Paris Saint-Germain manager. Is he the man to take them to the top? Well, obviously, he'll have a,
1: a, a tremendous um, uh, tremendous arsenal of players to uh, to choose from. Um, a lot of ingredients are in place. Uh, uh, Beckham, Leonardo, it'll be just like uh, AC Milan circa 2008. Why not? Uh, he hasn't actually taken the job yet. Um, I uh, was in contact with him, and he used the, uh, the euphemism. He said, well, we've had pen- plenty of possession, but no shots on goal yet. <laughs> um, uh, so we'll see what actually happens. Uh, it is an, it's an incredible experience, uh, experiment that's going on there you feel a bit sorry for Convoire they were top of the league but they'd also been playing awful football um, and, and I think that played into it um, for that kind of task I don't think that there's a better option than Carlo uh, Ancelotti right now That's all we've got time for this week. But remember, you can go to www.thetimes.co.uk. You'll find your news, your gossip, your analysis. You can also follow us all on Twitter. Pedro's on Twitter, at PedroCNN. Is that correct? Absolutely. There you go. We can welcome Pedro, of course, to uh, the Game Podcast family as well. Till next week. Bye-bye.